1: Thank you for listening to Knocking Doors Down, brought to you by KDD Media Company.
2: I was a disaster. I go, I would lie to my accountant, I would lie to my father, um, because I needed it. I needed the money. I needed to buy the friends. I needed to feel important. I need everybody to think that this broken imposter syndrome that I even had back then, that Darren Prince arrived and that, look at me and look at you. I was the kid in the back of the room that couldn't speak. I was the one that was too dumb to get anywhere in life, but now look at me.
1: Before we get to our guest this week, Darren Prince, we got to thank a few sponsors. Mikey. Jason. Have you ever had a Pavlovian response? I don't know what that means. Well, so essentially, you know, when I used to drink beer and stuff like to wind down at night, I would crack a can, I would hear the fizzy, and then that nice drink, right? Well, now being sober, not doing that, I still enjoy cracking a can of something and that nice fizzy taste. Okay. So recently, stopped in my local 7-Eleven, and I saw liquid death, and I'm like, what the hell is this? I'm going to have to try it out. Just on the hook alone, that it is actually water from the Alps, 100% mountain water. Okay, you're going to get me on like the rugged nature of it, and kind of the the metal, you know, because I love my heavy metal, so I'm like, liquid death. (laughs) Exactly. You know, and it said murder your thirst. I'm like, all right, it's in a 16.9 ounce can, a tall boy. What I used to drink when I drank. I'm like, I'm going to try this out. And I was hooked, man. That's pretty metal. That's pretty metal water right there. Yeah, it's really good. Like I said, it's available, of course, at 7-Eleven as well. They have it at uh, Whole Foods, so you can get it at a lot of different locations. Or go to liquiddeath.com. Check it out. Not only do they have the delicious water that it's just... It really is good for me that, like I said, that nice Pavlovian response that end of the night, still like to wind down, don't drink anymore at all, but I like something refreshing. So I pop that top, I hear
3: the fizz, my mouth is watering, and I take a drink of Liquid Death. And unlike a tall boy, you could drink multiple Liquid Deaths and wake up not hungover, <laughs> but hydrated. You're
1: right, and that is a nice bonus. So check it out now, guys, liquiddeath.com. Or if you're like me, stop into your local 7-Eleven, Whole Food Markets, and other local retailers that are starting to stock the shelves with Liquid Death. The other cool thing, Mikey, we care about the environment, right? Especially the animals. Of course, you know I do. Liquid Death comes in an aluminum can, so what do you want to do? Recycle that bitch. It's just that easy. Turn it in, get some money, and go buy more Liquid Death with it and murder that thirst. That's right. Not only murder that thirst, but hashtag death to plastic. Go to liquiddeath.com and get a Koozie 2-pack, $8 value, on us when you purchase a 12-pack and use the code NOCKIN. That's K-N-O-C-K-I-N, NOCKIN, at checkout. Also available nationwide at 7-Eleven and Whole Foods. We thank Liquid Death for sponsoring this episode of the Knockin' Doors Down podcast. This episode of Knocking Doors Down is brought to you by Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code KDD at manscaped.com. That's manscaped.com and use the code KDD. This is the Knockin' Doors Down podcast. We speak with those who have taken some of their darkest times and turn it into their greatest advantage. Our guest this week, Darren Prince, is no different And we'll talk more about him in a second. Of course, I'm your host, Jason Lechance. I raise my hand and say alcoholic. And I've got some other issues as well documented. But hey, we can't let that hold us back. And my co-host, Mikey Naraki, no different.
3: What is going on, people?
1: Our friend, Darren Prince, man. What a great guy. and really appreciate him jumping on here. Not only is he the CEO of the Prince Marketing Group, Many big-name clients up there, uh, Magic Johnson, Hulk Hogan, he worked with Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier before their passing, but he also is a best-selling author of his book Aiming High and the Aiming High Foundation, which gives scholarships For those who uh, need to get off to a rehab facility and he catches them at the right moment and is doing amazing work. You'll hear more about that in our conversation with Darren.
3: Dude's just a jack of all trades.
1: He is. He really is. And such an awesome individual. And uh, we got to thank Course 5150LTM. We can't do any of this without them. If you see the uh, postings on our social media, knocking doors down on Facebook and Instagram, at KDD Media Company on Twitter, we're rocking the 5150 gear, Mikey. That's
3: right. They keep us swagged out.
1: And uh, you can, by being a listener of Knocking Doors Down, well, you can get 20% off. How can they do that, my friend?
3: Well, you use the code KDD20.
1: What's that code again?
3: KDD20. Nice. Knockin', knockin', Tattoo industry? You got tattoos here? I've got two tattoos. Okay, right, That's right. it. I got a couple. can't even say you guys, have a, <laughs> you guys have a few more. I got a couple.
2: <laughs> but the, the whole idea was that there was a story behind when and why I got them when I wasn't exactly in my right mindset. Sure, so sure. when I reached out, the guys are like, this is an amazing story. <laughs> Love to interview you. Put the, you on the cover.
3: The only tattoos I've gotten that I don't remember due to being out of my mind we're in hollywood so go figure right you know <laughs> next to the mantra yeah. <laughs> well we're gonna have to talk about it
1: then we're talking about uh of course darren prince we're here with thank you good sir appreciate it and we're talking about the uh, tattoo industry your appearance in here talking about uh aiming high uh of course you've got a foundation now since we've seen you last it was like making moves always working and now you have a foundation let's start with that because it's news to me it's awesome
2: yeah Oh, thanks for having me guys, you know, you're both uh, very special not just to me but to the world of recovering mental thanks, health sir. and substance abuse and stress anxiety all the craziness going on in the world right now, so yeah. thanks for relentlessly pushing the message with the best guests and uh, advocates that are, that are out there. So the foundation came about in December of 2019 okay. after uh, my book came out and uh, by the grace of God, uh, you know, became an international bestseller in four countries, Aiming High. And I just wanted to keep giving back. I, yeah. I just said there, there's a bigger purpose here. I did probably 65 speaking engagements uh, for the year and a half that the book was out. And what, what I wasn't connecting on was when that magic would happen in a at a gala, at a high school, at a college for a corporation, and I knew somebody bottom was about to turn into beginning for some yeah. god-given words that came out of my mouth and i said to myself i want to be that person that says young man young lady you might not up the resources i understand it but because of my foundation i want you to go home pack your bags we're going to put you on an airplane and send you to bannon treatment center oaks mm-hmm. recovery whatever it might be in scholarship yeah because you guys know when you have that moment of clarity the window's very short. Sure, <laughs> yeah, and that's how the foundation, you know, came about, and it's been great. I, I've, you know, tapped into so many of my, of my resources from celebrities and corporations, and everybody knows I'm certainly not an asker or, or a taker. I'm always a giver. But when it comes to recovery, th- th- there's yeah. there's nothing I'm not going to ask for because I know it's to help other people that are suffering. That's yeah, incredible,
1: as it, man. As it says, we give it away freely, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit more, uh, jumping back into, uh, I want to kind of talk more the period of when you really got off into Substance. Mm-hmm. You know, your book, you highlight so much about yourself, an intelligent man. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, doing the card trading early mm-hmm. on, we're talking collecting cards for those that may not know Darren's story. You know, was it you were 17? 14. 18, 14? Mm-hmm. And what cards were you selling that really started making you that money at that time?
2: Well, I did a podcast actually yesterday and I, I got into the whole story. I wasn't much of a student. You know, I was classified with having a learning disability, mm-hmm. slow learner, you know, verbally teased. In small classrooms, but I had this infatuation with baseball cards and I love studying the statistics and knowing what any person, you know, batting average was RBI home runs, how many all-star appearances, how many world championships. And I became a statistical genius at like twelve thirteen. My friends when they'd be talking sports, they'd always be like, Oh no, no, we gotta ask Prince. We gotta <laughs> ask Prince. So it was the one thing that actually made me feel really good about myself. Yeah, that had yeah. a purpose. And I had an intro to business teacher I'm still very near and dear with to this day, Elliot Lovey. And he told the class he wants everybody to go home and create a business. And in my mind, I already had one because at that time I had four side jobs. I was delivering pizza, squeezing orange juice at a local supermarket, working a stock room at um, a sneaker store. And I was a busboy at a diner. And I would take all that money and buy my friend's cards collections because at that point it was kind of corny and not cool anymore (laughs) when you're 14 years old. And I went home. And I went downstairs to my dad in my pajamas, and I remember like yesterday, and I said, dad, I need insurance on my baseball cards. And 14-year-old kid telling your parent, you need insurance in your baseball cards. My dad like rolled his eyes and said, well, what, what do you need in case we ever have a flood? I'll, I'll get you the insurance. I'm like, probably eight or nine.
3: My dad would have told me to get the hell out of here. Was, yeah, well, he he did. He looked
2: at me like I was crazy. So I throw out a number, eight or nine, and he goes, okay, I'll get you a 1,000 worth of coverage. I said, no, dad, eight or 9,000. So now he looks at me like I'm crazy. How did you get eight or 9,000 worth of cards? And I said, well, over the years, my friends always want the new players. They want Dom Adingley. they want Mm -hmm. Tony Gwynn, they want Wade Boggs and Darryl Strawberry and Dwight Gooden. And I like the old stinky cards that have like Mickey Mantle and Joe DiMaggio and Babe Ruth that they got from their uncles and their grandfathers. So I would trade them the new ones for the older ones. Suckers. And <laughs> <laughs> that stuff went obviously through the roof. Right. I had a price guide that was called CCP, Current Card Price Guide. It's not Beckett. Everybody okay. thinks it was Beckett, and, which was before Beckett. And he's like, who will buy them? and What are they worth? And I started showing him and he took so much interest to see how passionate I was about this. And then he really challenged me. He goes, now, where can you go sell them? And I pulled out a big newspaper ad from a local paper at the holiday, and they were having a baseball card show in two weeks. It was like 40 bucks for a table for the day, eight feet. And Stephen Simon, who I go back with since I was 10 years old, uh, runs my agency now back in New Jersey, Prince Marketing Group. We discussed it. I go, hey, why don't you split it with me? You'll get four feet, I'll get four feet. And he goes, yeah, it sounds cool, I'll do it. I spent two weeks every single night after school, no homework, focusing on my display cases, the prices, the card holders, you know, total like OCD mode. And Steve might've spent three hours. He went into it for a hobby and just to have fun. He might've made 50 bucks that day and I made over a thousand dollars and that was it. I mean, I found my calling. I knew that every weekend this is what I wanted to be doing and building a mail loader baseball card business.
3: So, di- go, ahead. go ahead, okay. So before, like when you would trade the older cards for your friend, or you would give your friends the newer cards and you would take the older, did you know the value of them? Or did you just think they were cooler, Or did you know like these are gonna be worth something? I, for
0: sure. I, I,
2: I didn't know that they were gonna worth something, but I did know they were worth more. Right, right. And I just knew being at that age, I was like, you know, you can't really find these old yeah. ones. Yeah, yeah. So in my mind, I'm like, I'd rather have these old, collectible ones versus the ones that you can go to any candy store and buy a pack of tops cards and still uh, find a Don sure. Mattingly or a Daryl Strawberry. And they were more than happy to give it up because they were probably just given to them <laughs> right. and everybody wanted the hot poplar. I You guys.
3: want the new stuff. Yeah, I get it. It's, it's
1: interesting because you bring that up. I'm dyslexic, so I know what it was like, that frustration that I, I can relate to that so very much, but also having had a mom that sounds kind of like your dad that is like, okay, there's some crazy things, but I'm going to do it. What, was, uh, what were your folks like? Because it's just interesting to me that your I, dad didn't discount it because he saw how invested you were.
2: Yeah, I, my, my dad was my life. He's still, uh, I miss him every single day, multiple times a day. And um, you know, he just saw something in me. Um, he was great with my sister knowing she was more of a student and he saw something very special. Um, when it came to business and I just immersed myself into being a sponge to all his business knowledge and um, My mom supported it because look, you know upper middle-class Jewish family <laughs> in suburbia. I started getting notoriety I did a bit on Sally Jesse Raphael at 16 years old I was <laughs> in The New York Times the Wall Street Journal Daily News USA Today um, I became like a local celebrity entrepreneur and you know that makes a mother proud and yeah. my uh you know, my sister, the same eye. You know, she was just very proud of her brother. I tried going to college for one year. I partied my ass off. <laughs> uh, finally, started hooking up with girls because I finally had interest with that, and had a point eight six GPA. But I made over six hundred thousand dollars my freshman year in college selling cards. Yeah, screw school, <laughs> oh. man. <laughs> so You're making it that got much to money. a point where, uh, you know. Uh, Tim Ryan and Jennifer Jimenez, oh, I was yeah. on their podcast yesterday yeah. and she was asking me, like, how were you with money? Like, I go, it was a disaster. I go, I would lie to my accountant, I would lie to my father, um, because I needed it. I needed the money. I needed to buy the friends. I needed to yeah. feel important. I need everybody to think that this broken imposter syndrome that I even had back then, that Darren Prince arrived and then look at look at me and look at you. I was the kid in the back of the room that couldn't speak. I was the one that was too dumb to get anywhere in life, but now look at me. Mm-hmm. So um you know when i look back at it i i I bought so many sort of friendships in my life that really shouldn't have been there um and if, if there is a regret yeah listening a little bit more to my father and my late uncle my uncle Stu now that's still alive they always used to tell me back then that we don't care what you make we care what you save we care what you keep and um, I was just a machine. I mean, uh-huh. whatever came in, yeah, I'd save a few bucks, but I wanted to take everybody along for the ride. Mm-hmm. I, I still maintain a handful of those friends, though, that were real friends uh, because I, I did have financial hardship uh, in my mid-20s at a certain point. And uh, I, I found that who my real friends were that remembered all the things I did when things were great.
1: Mm-hmm. It's interesting how that uh, comes to pass, especially for so many of us that I, I know you relate. And then some the the once I went out, stopped drinking, those texts stop coming. Yep. The, the Facebook likes, the follows, the shares, the supports, the check-ins—it just the shit just goes away. And at yep. first, you kind of feel, for, for you know people that are watching that maybe haven't experienced that or have a loved one that's feeling it—is that at first you're like, "Oh my god!" And then once your ego goes away, you start to find gratitude, and that is like, "Thanks, you saved me a lot of heartache."
2: No, of course, and, you know. When we look back at it, you don't you know, you know, don't realize, but it, it, it is gratitude when when you fast forward to a situation like that. But I, I remember after that first baseball card show, I was alive, wheeling, dealing, hustling. Everybody was coming to me for information. I was like a walking encyclopedia, the baseball card boom. And when I got back to my room that night in my, in my parents' house, and I'm sitting here with this wad of thousands of dollars in cash um, and bought by selling trading, I got new, new cards. I felt like a broken piece of crap. I felt like the kid really? in the back of the room again. I felt like the kid in the small classroom. I, I even though I wasn't fully active in my addiction, I, I think that that ability to be in the center of a room and getting all the accolades and people coming to me for you know advice at such a young age gave me such a feeling of importance, but it wore off right. when I got back home alone in my own head. Mm-hmm. And then eventually to supplement that yeah. and to fill that void. You know, I became a full-blown drug addict.
1: Yeah, it's interesting say. It takes me back to one of our previous guests who's actually my sponsor now. Um, and he said I was uh, I uh, reflecting back that he noticed his um, addictive behavior before he was actually an addict. Mm. Yeah. So when did it start to leave? Was it the college days, the partying? Now you're getting the recognition from girls. You do have a good amount of money coming in despite what the GPA is, but you didn't value that. Right and schooling isn't for a lot of people it took me seven years to get through college so yeah. i know what you're talking yeah. about yeah. way
3: too long well you go to school to make money and if but, you're already making a shitload of it well then school's useless yeah but fuck it
2: difference between I, 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 gary Vee's a friend of mine i love a video he posted on YouTube a couple gonna... of weeks ago fuck you school yeah. fuck you school yeah. Yeah, That's it. Should, it. If I could try now, I'd be like, I don't, don't go to college. Let me right. give you money to start a business. You know, yeah. but for me, it started at sleepaway camp. I talk about it in my book. I was fourteen. I had terrible stomach pains one night, and I asked the counselor to take me to see the nurse, and she gave me this green liquid and a clear cough syrup cup, and tasted disgusting. But all I remember is three minutes later, all those inadequacies, the inferiorities, this skinny little shy. Awkward Jewish kid from New Jersey felt on top of the world. I felt like Superman. I got back to the bunk I'm the cool kid the talkative one All all the guys are laughing with me not at me I got the courage to flirt with girls in the bunk next to me for the first time of my life and you know went to bed that night I'm not thinking anything of it. I wake up the next day do all the activities play soccer softball, whatever and um, That very next night I'm lying in the bunk with no stomach pains, but I'm staring up at the sky thinking my god That feeling was amazing. Mm -hmm. And what do I do? I learned to lie and con in that moment i heal over i put on the crocodile tears the counter comes running over you okay you're okay i said my stomach is killing me Mom. we got to go back to the nurse i did this for three straight weeks every single night until my mom and dad came up for visitation day and found out i was taking liquid demerol. Holy how shit. old were you 14? 14. 1984. so
1: the tendances yeah. liquid Demerol, and
2: uh you know back then the opiates weren't as you know Every time I speak, there's always mothers in the audience. When I say that, there's the hemming and the hawing, and I'm oh, "My God!" And then during the queue, and I, I can't believe this. And I said, Don't blame the nurse; I had nothing to do with it. Because three months later, I had a dentist appointment, and one in three kids that get opiates now at dentist become addicts. I was one of the three, mm-hmm. and my mom gave me these two pills. I was in pain, and that exact same feeling came back. I'm on the phone calling up all my boys. I'm the brilliant one, the smart one. I got all these great ideas. I'm funny, and. Uh, I saw there was only four pills left, so I put the crocodile tears on for her two days later. And I go down hold to my cheek, I said, Mom, I got a horrible infection, I need your help. We gotta go to the dentist as a loving mother who wants to see their child suffer, right? So she took me first thing the next morning and the dentist bought it too. And gave her another 12 pills at the pharmacy of extra strength Vicodin. And uh, from there I was off to the races because the business was booming. You know, yeah. I was making, you know, quarter of a million dollars at 14, 15 years old um and i had the resources to just party like a rock star which i did for the next six or seven years until it all hit a brick wall at 21 i was arrested four times in six months for possession charges not to distribute for use i was the one that was always had the bag of freaking ecstasy on me or blow or marijuana or xanax or pills and happened once at a concert once at an airport um another time in a car accident and i never looked at myself once is the problem I said the police never should have been there. It was bad timing. why did this asshole throw me <laughs> yeah. the bag at the Allman Brothers contra? Why did I have to catch it? And um the judge thought the opposite and put me into an outpatient program for a year. And uh with two days to go, he basically warned me and said, You get in trouble again, and you're going to prison for six months. Do you understand me? So now I knew I had to pay attention. And with two days to go, my my counselor there um came in and goes, I got good news you're done, you don't need to come back. So in my mind, that resonated as I graduated because it was long before I got into recovery. So I was like, this is great. So I call up my friend, Dave. I said, man, I got the best idea. Pick me up. We're gonna go to the city, to Jimmy's Cafe. Let's bang out a bunch of mind eraser shots and get banged up. And on the way in, we took a handful of Xanax. Long and short, our minds were erased. He fell asleep behind the wheel on Highway 280 in New Jersey. His carbon into a ditch. My face went into the windshield. And I wake up in a complete blackout with 90 stitches in my face. Glass everywhere. Concussion. Split lip. My nose broken. And who are the first two people I see? My mom and my dad with tears running down their face. That they can't help their baby boy. That knows nothing about what's going on. That I, I just had zero accountability two days after I left a one-year outpatient program.
1: Jeez. and so for a full year and that just goes to show the power uh powerlessness we have over these things and how much it is so much ingrained into this thing up here until we change it and deal with it Yep. Yeah.
2: i mean we all have the harsh stories and the worst stories it's to me the you know the best part is though we've all been able to turn our bottom into a new beginning yeah true you know and um you know, I, I've got—I really have no regrets. I think my whole life worked out the exact way it was meant to work out. I think really so. do. And you know, recovery and having the responsibility and accountability now as a advocate around the world—I say this often. I said it on Jay Shetty's interview when I was with him about a month ago. That you know, I don't—I don't even care about the money anymore, man, and and the business. I care about it so I can help people. Yeah, I care about it so I can employ the nine people. That means so much to me in New York, New Jersey, and L.A., and I could take care of my mom and my sister. But when you truly find you on the inside, when you find peace and happiness and serenity every single day and can live life like lasagna, that's the way I look at it. It's the greatest thing in the world. I'll figure life out. Something else will come my way. You know, I look back and say, "God, thank you for the amazing run we had. Yeah. You know, thank my clients, the incredible relationships. every one of them are basically family at this point. You know that's what people need to to understand. Yeah, it's great to have success, but you've got to work on loving yourself on the inside for that external success to mean anything. yeah, you know. So if I lose this, I don't have a big, beautiful penthouse in Brentwood anymore. I'll move into a little studio on a couch or my boy Craig is here. I'll live with him. <laughs> um, you know, I just uh, I just found a pace of peace that's just unexplainable, you know. Yeah
1: more with mr darren prince coming up for you guys we'll talk about the pivotal role that magic johnson played into his career as well as heading towards sobriety and finally having it stick we'll talk about that moment once he felt a presence of a higher power that he knew he was done with his addiction and the wonderful things he's doing with the aiming high foundation sending people on a full scholarship to rehab facilities and a true example of giving back and of course Fun random questions with Darren Prince coming up. Breaking news this important PSA is brought to you by Manscaped.com.
3: This is your pubic service announcement and the news you've all been waiting for. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is now available for purchase in the USA and Canada.
1: This new trimmer was just released only moments ago and we are one of the first
3: to get our hands on it and share the news. Join over 2 million worldwide who trusted Manscaped with this exclusive offer to you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code KDD at manscaped.com. I'm one of the first
1: people to try the new 4.0 and I'm blown away by the performance, the craftsmanship and details on the 4.0 are next level.
3: What makes this trimmer different than all the other trimmers you may ask? a new multi-function on-off switch that can engage a travel lock created for the people who like to travel.
1: The Lawn Mower 4.0 gives you the ability to turn the 4K LED spotlight on and off
3: when needed for a more precise shave. The new trimmer even allows you to customize your trim all over through additional guard lengths with sizes 1 through 4.
1: And look-wise, it's sleek with a two-tone matte and gloss finish Even features a hot foil stamped black chrome Manscaped logo. Show that mower off loud and proud. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code KDD at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code KDD. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped this episode of knocking doors down is presented by podgo podgo is the easiest way to monetize your podcast providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from podgo apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience that's podgo.co at p-o-d-g-o co. and be sure to add the knocking doors down podcast in the how did you hear about podgo section of the application it's funny because you you were talking about the the lasagna layers reminds me of our mutual friend of ours, Greg Champion. We had went and yep. visited Startup Recovery. What a what an amazing great work guy they're doing! There. Love Greg. Uh, but what, you know when you talk about the lasagna is about the thing that once we discover in sobriety that ability of resilience because like you said, you making the money, but you went down here financially too. Yep. Yep. Now what were some of the people? Because I mean, you know, we, you welcome us into to your place here. We got the pictures of. I mean, guys I've grown up loving. Hulk Hogan, you got Muhammad Ali. And Kobe. My, Kobe, mm-hmm. my all-time favorite, Magic Johnson. Yeah. Would you talk about that relationship a little bit? Because there are yeah. some significant things. that, that Ma- Magic, Magic has
2: been, I like to call him Irvin by his real man, uh, uh, just one of the biggest professional and personal blessings in my life. We started working together in 1993. I was booking autograph signings for him, and... uh As I talk about in my book, I was buying and selling memorabilia and I made a mistake trusting a source that cost me everything, put me in tremendous debt. There was a big investigation. I was cleared by the FBI of doing anything wrong, but I realized that I'd probably be good in the mob because I didn't rat a guy out. (laughs) and uh, in the you Jewish mob. and you told them nothing. And <laughs> they needed to charge him with something. So they charged him with a felony charge of making a false statement to the FBI. And I lost everything. I was virtually almost a million dollars in debt. I sent out refund letters to all our customers to offer refunds. Half the people took it, other half of the people thought the product looked so great they didn't care. Um, and you know, I saw magic and uh, cried my eyes out one day about what was happening. And he goes, Darren, God tests great men and women. He tested me with HIV and look at me now and he's testing you and you're going to come out stronger and wiser. And, uh, I literally had $3,000 left in my name and I took the last three grand and took my father on a fly fishing trip to Alaska and being an old school Jewish guy, he hated the fact that I spent any money on it, but fishing was our thing. And it was a trip of a lifetime. And we got in an argument about you're going, I don't care. We need this trip. And on that boat on this incredible stream, fly fishing, um, the conversation come up. He goes, what's your next move? What are you gonna do? you Are gonna try to stay in the business? I said, Dad, you know what? I said, haters are a part of life. Everybody was there when I was on top. Now that this is happening, I can hear the crickets, I can hear people talking. I wanna evolve, I wanna be an agent, but I just don't have eight years to go to law school. And he looked at me like i was crazy because why do you need to go to law school i'm like does it don't agents need to be lawyers she goes no because darren life is about who you know not what you know you can go to muhammad ali's house in and springs right now you can go to magic's place in beverly hills or joe frazier's gym in philly or chevy chase's house up in uh, new bedford or pamela anderson's in malibu you realize these relationships there's not an entertainment lawyer in the world that wouldn't kill to be in your position and that's when it resonated with me. And he's like, why don't you speak to magic about being your first client? What are you gonna call the company? I'm like thinking Prince Marketing Group would be a good name because that's a good name. Yeah. Two weeks later, I'm with Irvin in Detroit. And uh, it was almost like fate. He was by himself on this trip, no security, no assistant. I knocked on his hotel suite to get him ready for a, a, an autograph signing event that we had at the Gibraltar uh, flea market. And he invited me in. He's always so personal. Come, here. Come on, boys, sit down, let's catch up. and. He actually said to me, what, what do you think you're gonna be doing? You think you're gonna stay in the business? And I was so nervous. You know, my palms were sweating. I was, <laughs> I was high on Percocets, I yeah, had no idea because oh, there was okay. no other way for me to function around my celebrities back then. And um, I got the nerve to ask him and tell him. And he goes, well, you need a really big client if you're gonna start an agency, you got anybody in mind. And I was like, yeah, I'm thinking, yo, And he's like, well, you better get yourself a good entertainment lawyer because I'm going to give you two years to represent me. But if you don't use me to knock down every door you can to build your agency, bring in all the celebrities you can, I'm going to fire you because life isn't how successful I become, Darren. I'm going to bring business success to the world of sports and entertainment they've never seen. But life is about how successful I can make you and everybody else around me. And I'll never forget those words.
3: So when you asked, or when you said, yeah, I want to bring on you, did, was there any hesitation or did you feel like he knew it was coming? He knew you were going to ask him kind of
2: thing? Well, I think by him identifying with uh-huh. making a mistake in the public eye, right, sure. um, that meant everything to him. Yeah. Knowing that I was being a little bit broken, shaken, mm-hmm. but knowing the heart that I really had um, and and spending a few years with me at that point and most important, loving my mom and my dad. Mm-hmm. You know, they were super close. He'd call my my dad on his birthday every year, and oh, he'd been in New York. We'd go for dinner, lunch, whatever it might be. I mean, just, you know, he didn't want to see this happen to his boy. And um, that was it. I mean, Prince Mark Group was launched, and uh, I hired one of the best publicists in the world, R. Corey Hay, who was Andy Warhol's publicist. And, you know, I'm, all of a sudden I go from being broke, which I was still broke when I started Prince Mark and Group and in debt, to super agent. And New York Post page six ran a big caption, super agent, Darren Prince of Prince Marketing Group, signs Magic Johnson. So I'm beaming, you know, my ego, I'm broken, insecure. I go run over to my parents' house to show my dad. Dad, it's the main story on page six. He goes, sit down, son, let me talk to you. They're not calling you super agent because you're anybody special, remember that. They're calling you that because magic is special. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, I was like, that really put my ego yeah. in check. And it took about probably six, seven months before, you know what, I took all the clients I was booking signings for, Smoke and Joe, Chevy Chase, Pamela Anderson. Um, you know, we had a array of them, uh, Dennis Rodman at one point. Um, and just, I got in the middle of the industry for five or six years. I was high as a kite on opiates every day. Every day, sniffing Oxycontins, Percocets, Vicodins, sniffing Ambien before I went to bed at night. And I was a rock star, but I'm very careful when I speak to high school kids so they don't get the wrong message. Because mm-hmm. at one point, what well, was once living to use turned out to using to live. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't know when that happened, but all of a sudden, those pills became my kryptonite. Right. And I couldn't capture the magic anymore. To stop. And I was that suicidal. Moment. Yep, I was suicidal. I was lost. I had the money. I had the notoriety. Um, you know, a, a beautiful wife at a point. I'm now divorced. Um, you would have thought from the outside, everybody thought, man, I mean, who's got a better life than Darren Prince? But I just remember too, after a big adventure party and coming home, the same feeling I had from that baseball card show, I was lost. You know, I didn't wanna live anymore. It uh, it got to a point where I got my own life insurance policy. I, w- I would go to bed at night, I was never a prayer and just shut my eyes feeling like death saying, God, just take me tonight. You know, my family would be good, my wife will have, a bunch of money to take care of herself. I, I, just, I just can't, I just can't do this anymore. And um, you know, then the moment of clarity happened on July 2nd, 2008.
1: What well brought that moment?
2: Well, after my overdose in Las Vegas, I finally got some courage to call an addiction psychiatrist and he put me on Suboxone told me I was an opiate addict. And, uh, but I lied to him, he didn't know I was sniffing Ambien, drinking a couple of days a week, taking antidepressants and mood stabilizer. Nice, nice combination, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, anxiety meds. Yeah. Every yeah. day. A hell of a cocktail. This was every day.
3: I was just gonna say hell of a cocktail. Yeah, every day.
2: And um, just a shell of myself. So on July 1st of 2008, my uncle and his then-girlfriend Andrea came to visit my mom from Miami. They paid me a surprise visit and Steve Simon in my office knew how bad it was because he had to take me back and forth to the hospital. A few times with panic attacks from withdrawal. And we thought, hey, let me go to a hotel suite, go to a spa, and let me detox for the next week. That's her brilliant thinking, right. you know? like, <laughs> That'll work. Yeah, why not? Because yeah, it's so okay. easy with these. So she comes in and she sees me, and I was done, bloated white, I look nothing like look like now, and uh, had nothing left in the tank. And she's like, are you okay? And I was like, no, I'm not. For some reason, I felt so comfortable for the first time in my life talking to this strange woman who I never met. And she's like, what's wrong? And I told her, she goes, do you realize you're an addict and your life's become unmanageable? I said, absolutely. She goes, do you realize you're powerless? I said, "Uh uh-huh. She goes, I'm going to ask you something. This is the most important question. Do you realize that it doesn't matter if you're from Yale or jail or Park Avenue or Park Bench, that addiction doesn't discriminate, that this stuff means nothing when you mean nothing? And that broke my soul, and I started to cry. I said, I get it. And she goes, you want to do anything it takes. This has to become... The most important thing in her life. And um, I said, anything, I'm desperate. And she put me on a 36 hour detox plan. at 36 hour was July 2nd, 2008. It was about 7 o'clock at night. I came back from the gym. I was living in the Caroline building with my then wife, Simone. And I called them up. I said, I can't freaking do this. I'm calling the damn doctor. I'm getting opiates. There's no way I'm going to make it. My brain is so damn opiate deficient. And um, my uncle grabbed the phone. He said, It's the goddamn disease talking. For once and for all it's time to kick the shit out of the goddamn disease get yourself to a 12-step meeting and tell these people that you're sick and you're suffering get the help that you need and put your freaking ego aside already and i said i can't do it i've been to those dumb meetings when i was 21 and i hung up the phone i ran into the bathroom and locked the door as my wife is banging on the door hysterically crying baby don't do it don't do it And i'm going for the pill cabinets and out came two extra strength Vicodins, which was crazy because we knew we cleaned out all the opiates and I thought I was getting clonopin, which she was allowing me to take for a couple of days because it's not as hardcore as Xanax or Valium. And for a split second, it was like a gift from God. It was the relief that I needed. And I'm sitting there staring at him like, thank God. But then it came over me because I fell on my knees. I was shaking, trembling and crying. And I screamed at the top of my lungs, God help me. I can't do this without you. Take the money, take the notoriety, take the business. I said, I need your help. I said, if you take me out of hell, I will spend the rest of my life taking others out. And a burning right sensation over my right shoulder happened. I had that Bill W. White Light moment. And I stood up, I flushed the pills. And um, two minutes later, I'm on a computer. I heard the voice say, I've got you and you're ready. And I found a 12-step meeting. It was a beautiful summer night. There was no Uber. I'm in a taxi cab. I'm looking up at the sky and the way to this church basement in the upper is saying, holy crap. For the first time in my life, I wanted to stay sober more than I wanted to get high. And I walked into this church basement. 150, 200 acts of alcoholics that were all once of a hopeless state of mind. And I heard the leader say, is anybody new coming back or suffering? And this wasn't me. But this hand went right up in front of strangers. Um, I said, I'm sick, I'm suffering, I'm suicidal, I need your guys' help. I said, I got all this stuff, it doesn't mean anything anymore. And um, 10 to 12 spiritual brothers and sisters came over and they hugged me and they said, well, love you before you love yourself. Stick with the winners. If you want what we have, then do what we do. It's easier to stay sober than it is to get sober again. And the so-called I had this moment of clarity that the so-called big time super agent was nothing but a complete fraud that couldn't stay sober for more than an hour at a time. And I realized humility is the key. And um, one day became a week, a week became a month, a month became a year. And I realized after I had the gift of desperation that slowly turned into the power of choice and then after power of choice, giving this away to other people was everything. That's when hope and recovery began.
1: sorry got me too brother
3: yeah that was uh that's, um, that's incredible happy that you're here you got through it <sighs> Man, that was yeah so working the you
1: daily step worker meeting i know i was sitting there thinking boy we're talking to darren today and i pulled out the you know my aa morning daily reading and mm. um so how are you now with it have you sponsored other people what's
2: yeah I, I, i'll tell you one of my great sponsor stories There's this guy john in new jersey and back in 2015 i was honored to speak at the new jersey mental health association a gal in north new jersey and uh a little bit of the ego started coming in this was great i got six years sober or whatever it was seven years sober Knew nothing about speaking. I think the speech act completely sucked if I look back at it. <laughs> and I was probably speaking as if I was in an AE meeting. But the minute they announced it and it was on the website in the newspaper, I got a call from Stacy Green from Turning Point who arranged it. And she says to me, um, I just got the most amazing call from a father that has his son. Uh, who's been in six treatment centers. He's 22 years old. He's a hardcore heroin addict. And the father said, my son just saw the newspaper with who you're honoring and who he is. And he looked this Mr. Prince up online and he said, dad, can we go to this? And it was the first time I saw a little bit of hope that he's serious about this. And then in the humility back, and I look up at the sky, I remember saying, thank you, God. This event isn't about me. This is about this guy. Something's gonna happen when I meet this young kid. And I got there early with my boy, Beau. my mom and dad were there and I got to spend about 15 minutes just being me, just being raw and real. And, uh, we had a connection, we exchanged numbers and, um, he relapsed quite a bit, quite a bit for the first three, four or five months. And I'll never forget the day. It was about six months after I met the La Mantra's here visiting California before I lived here. And I shoot him a text. Hey bro. I know you must be going bad. I've not hurt from you in three weeks. I'm always here for you. He calls me up. He goes, Dave, I'm just embarrassed, man. I feel like I'm wasting your time. And yeah, I've been struggling so bad. I just can't get this. I want it, but I just can't figure life out. I said, John, I said, I don't care if you go bad 99 more times. I said, as long as you wake up on this side of the earth, call me on the hundredth. I don't want to be there to miss the magic when it happens. That line, to this day, he's been sober and active in the twelve step community. Hell yeah. That's you can't put a price on that. Yeah, no. no. It's esteemable acts have given me the self esteem that I've always been looking for. Mm-hmm. the all due respect, it's not Ollie and Fraser and Magic and Hulk and all these guys. It's it's given back. It's seeing that magic yeah, in yeah. somebody else's eyes.
1: Well, I think that's oftentimes a misnomer, especially, you know, you sharing your story. I know for myself, when we're young, uh, unwise in the world, most certainly not dumb, but unwise in the world, how we really look at success. And then we start to understand, you know, that we want to have a purpose to this world. We want to know our place. Like you said, it's it's the irony of um, where people, you know, and, and you're relaying it as, boy, isn't that a terrible thing and a miserable thing? It's like, yeah, I, f- I fucked up a lot of things in life. I hurt a lot of people that I really care about, and even strangers I don't even know and was disrespectful to my community. But, boy, i sure I found something that it's worth it. Yep. It's worth it now. You,
2: it's just a matter of replacing it, you know, with something good, you know, just filling up that void. hmm you know, and you know, I tell people just because we get sober it doesn't mean life gets better, but we get better. You know, yeah. our perspective and our perception changes on everything around us. And I've been through my own personal hell and back in recovery. Divorce, broken engagement, I screwed that up with my ex fiance Priscilla, who's still near and dear to me. I love her to death. These two kings, lost them both yeah. in in recovery. And um, Ali and Fraser. And uh, but the beautiful thing about recovery is I was there for both of them at their memorials at their funerals and i got to escort muhammad ali to joe Fraser's funeral with his wife Lonnie, yeah. and uh, to be present and feel it and hold smoking joe's hand in the hospital be one of three people allowed to even see him a month before he passed and rub his head and tell him what he meant to the world and to me and to go through that pain um and and, and just be good just yeah. be connected to my spiritual brothers and sisters and then the biggest one of all was my father on February 15th, 2017. Suddenly I had an ART aneurysm, perfect healthy. I know isms, never drank, never smoked. Was in a coma, came out of it. And uh, I literally, because of Hulk Hogan, uh, Terry Balea, his real name, <laughs> told me to go get some time with my dad. He had that gift with his dad to say goodbye yeah. and, and and to ask him if he's ready or if he wants to keep fighting. And uh, I went the night before we put him into hospice and I held his hand and I got on my knees. I said, dad, you tell me what you want to do. You want to keep fighting? I go, I'll speak to the doctors. Otherwise, it's time to go see grandma and grandpa, Joe and Muhammad and send everybody my best and tell them I love them and tell them I'm I'm doing real good down here. And um, he looked away and looked back. My dad was not an emotional guy with tears running down his face. And he said he had a tube in his throat, but I can see what he was saying. I'm ready to die. And I said, it's good. I said, it's all good. It's calm as I am with you guys today. And I said, but I'm gonna do something. I said, your son is gonna make his legacy about touching the world of recovery and mental health. Mm -hmm. Because I need others to understand you can get through the worst crap in life without picking up a substance and going off the deep end. Mm -hmm. And I've heard too many stories in the rooms and in the meetings of people that didn't have that blessing when a loved one Went and passed, and they were higher. They were out there. I didn't have that, and I got through the most uncomfortable time of my life. Dad, right now with you, never feeling so comfortable because my higher power, my spiritual brothers and sisters, and having a rock solid foundation. And I need people to know that you can you, you can do this. Yeah. And uh, he he smiled, and the next day we we called hospice, and I was in Dallas because I had a business meeting, and. It's just those GMCs, I call them God-managed coincidences. I went to an AA meeting. I have probably been to more meetings around the world than anybody in the history of the fellowship since 1935. Maui, Honolulu, Tokyo, Japan, London, England, and Guillaume, Monaco, Nice, France, um, Paris. I mean, those, Sydney, Australia, Brisbane. Most incredible thing in the world when you walk into a meeting in another country and feel right at home. And in Dallas, the name of that clubhouse was the answer. <sighs> literally the day my dad passes i walk in i go to the answer i just look up at the sky and uh the minute i put my hands up and shared what happened half the room is crying because of exactly what i just said they either lost a parent or left them in recovery the other half is cheering and tears of joy because they got to experience it on the other side Love it.
1: well we know we're getting a little low on our time and before we let you uh
3: Wrap up, leaving a lame, positive because word. I want to hear more. I want you I to know. keep going. <laughs> we, <do> again. <laughs> we need a part two. We could
1: yeah, do it. I, I had the fart same fart. thing with
2: Jay Shetty. Yeah, yeah we need I, a I part two. Oh, yeah.
1: man. Because I, I didn't even get to talk to you about that. I love Jay. I just finished his book as well. I did the audio Think book. like a monk, right? Yeah, I did Amazing. an audio book version. Uh, hope to be able to speak with that gentleman someday. But uh, as you know, we like to do the fun, rapid questions. Yep. Just random questions. But uh,
3: Mike, go ahead. Fire it off here. All right. If you were stranded on an island and you can take with you one album and one movie, what would they be?
2: The album would have to be Grateful Dead.
3: That was probably Pro- the quickest answer we've ever gotten. A lot of people uh, like, were just on it. You knew.
2: Yeah, probably Grateful Dead. Okay. Um, maybe without a net. Um, there's so many. I've been to a hundred shows. Um, and then uh, what was the other one? A movie. A movie. Yeah. Probably one of the ones that always make me laugh, like stepbrothers or Wedding oh, Crashers. You
3: can never go wrong with those. You
2: can never oh, go wrong.
3: I would
1: have never picked you for a deadhead.
2: Nobody would. Big time deadhead. Yeah. Big time.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, if they were to make a movie about you, who would you want to play you in your, your biopic? That's, that's
2: interesting, because I've had quite a few production companies come to me since the book came out about a documentary or a movie. Um, I, I, I don't think a movie would work. I'm going to tell you why. Not to change your question, but only because of the clients. I think it's so hard to match up. I think sure. a documentary, mm. which was the last meeting that I had would be the way to go. But I mean, if there's a celebrity out there that may or may not look like me, or people have told me, when I shaved my head, maybe a Jason Statham, Kirk Cameron, you know, I think mm, okay. growing up, Kirk Cameron might be a bit of work. I but him. i don't i don't think I'm, i would
1: love to see statham do extra daring prince yeah Preetz, yeah. You know?
2: yeah uh
3: well i mean hamsworth's gonna play hulk so there you yeah, go you there you go slot him in, yep. you know? there you go if you can go back in time or in the future where would you choose to go and why um go as far ahead as you want far back as you want
2: it's gonna be a little bit of a long-winded answer. I know we're pressed on time, but I also do a lot of mindset work. My, mm-hmm. my buddy John Alvino is a master NLP life coach. And he's put me into some very deep, deep healing subconscious trance sessions. And even before I did Jay, um, I always make sure with you guys too, a lot of praying this morning. I gotta get that energy back. I gotta make it real. I gotta bring the emotions. And um, he took me to a therapy session when I was eight years old. Uh, with my family therapist and uh, this was recently, a month ago and I, I sat there with my 8 year old self and I told him life was going to be okay because he didn't speak up I could see the future mm-hmm. and um, you know I think we all have the inner child stuck in us with so many ways we behave now so that's why I'd rather go in the past yeah. and work on that person than the future.
3: Yeah, yeah no absolutely
1: No that's funny because I got people that give me shit during because I started um who it was bought me my first lego gift card because i loved legos as a kid yeah. especially star wars yeah. that's the shit i do now as an adult and i've had a few people make fun of me but it's probably uh... me sorry <laughs> well <laughs> you're a dick you know that. but now, now that people like get it because i do it's like that regression period yeah. and and it's back to the points of as a kid with dyslexia i would believe it or not really short gangly That all of a sudden I'm just like peaceful in there in that thing. Like, I just put together Darth Vader's TIE Fighter. This is fucking awesome. Life is cool. That's great. It's like a 43-year-old that that won't grow up. I love it. Uh, Pet peeves. Ooh, Pet peeve.
2: Um, That one I got to think about. What is my pet peeve? Oh, people not returning calls or texting within like an hour or two. I think no matter who you are, I could message Mark Cuban right now. I, I, I have a laundry list of big wigs, you know, scooter bronze always super, you know, with getting back to me, my client are always, uh, you know, Gary V. I I can email like, nobody's that busy. All you right. can't take a couple, unless you're, if you, unless you don't have the ability to have a phone. Look, if you're an actor, an actress on the set, I understand it. A lot of times you're not looking at your phone. Um, if you're an athlete in training so
3: athlete in a game yeah if you're an athlete, athlete in
2: a game yeah i understand that right. but if it's a saturday afternoon or a sunday or something where pretty much everybody likes to have their downtime or be caught up on come on or like a monday night when you know somebody's not working you send it quick. Right. It, it's just it drives me crazy i'm always accessible within like an hour or two i know a lot of it's ocd and the connection to my phone but i, I just can't deal with people that Well, sometimes take, I I can't, if I I had any clients like that, I wouldn't be able to work with them, corporate or celebrities. Drives me crazy.
3: Yeah, because I'm assuming everything, deals come and go quick. It's gotta be quick. I was telling you on the way over here, I was getting so frustrated with my primary doctor, she just (laughs) never gets back to me, ever. And I'm like, you know, how do I get a hold of and talk to Charlie Sheen twice, (laughs) but you never, my own doctor, but I talked to Charlie twice, but I can't talk to you that, at all.
2: That's my line. Like when people take a day or two, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I can message Mark Cuban right now. He's going to get back to me all right. 20, 30 minutes every yeah. single time.
1: Yeah. Mark's a great guy. I got to interview him years ago. He was a blast to talk
3: to.
2: Give me a great testimony for my book. He's a great guy.
1: Yeah. Uh, Mike, one more, then we're going to leave Darren with, um, with the last words.
3: Oh, I was going to say give us uh, pearls of wisdom or last words, so that threw me off. I got to think of another question um if you could have any superpower in the world what would it be i mean you kind of already do healing people i i think i think
2: i I think i have it man and just get these spiritual messages out there you know i always like to say it says in my bedroom the big neon sign you know try to say what you mean mean what you say and don't say it mean yeah uh try to understand people better try to not engage because a lot of times we're gonna open up our big fat mouth and not have that restraint of pen and tongue or text. If you don't say anything, you just go on with your day, you're not even gonna remember what it was that you were stressed out about. Mm -hmm. And then we're not responsible for our thoughts, but we are responsible for how long we wanna think those thoughts and for people struggling out there today with mental health and substance abuse, just get out of your own way and be a service, help somebody else pick up the phone for somebody else that, you know, is suffering or struggling or dealing with some drama in their life that, you know, you're able to deal with to, to, to you know, calm them off the edge because that, that, that's how we, that's how we grow. That's how we evolve, just being of service, you know? Absolutely yeah you know and then I got also got to give a shout out to Allison or girl from Banyan yes. oh Love well, her let's to all death.
3: shout out Allison
4: thank you Allison, Allison. you are great for, which one are we for, for, for always working so hard
2: <laughs> I do have my own toll-free call center number at Banyan for people that need to be scholarship their help it's eight 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 six Darren D-A-R-R-E-N and my foundation is aiming high foundation dot org uh, if you don't have the resources I don't care you inbox there or at agent underscore dp on instagram we send out free bucks all the time um anybody needs you know somebody to speak to or like i said to be scholarship to a treatment center i'll be more than happy to provide the financing to do it
1: absolutely awesome. and if you are watching this on on youtube or listening we have all those links in the descriptions and uh, you know if for whatever reason you can't seem to connect with it we'll get you connected yep. we'll help you out well, I, w- I wish we had like two more I know
2: hours, we gotta get a, but, we gotta get our Carlton ease yeah, in here.
4: Yeah, we gotta rock hey, roll with that. thank
1: you for uh, being so uh, vulnerable and transparent. You know. Thanks for having thank me, guys. Know, we'll do it again when you want. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Awesome. Darren Prince, man, what a great guy. Got deep.
3: Yes, I know. Deep.
1: Dude, I've been on the verge of crying,
3: but that's the first time I cried yeah, in a conversation. Yeah, no, that was a hell of a story for sure. It's uh, really awesome for him to get vulnerable like that, and you know not hold back whatsoever that's it's kind of what we're all about so yeah, yeah. commend him for that that's really a was a really great story very uh, very powerful
1: absolutely and just doing wonderful things and giving back he's such a, a jovial guy but it was so cool to hear about the foundation work that he's got going on and that the, you know through his experiences and and his hard work and and the uh, the wealth he's been able to uh, generate based on that hard work that he's using a a good amount of it to give back and help people out one at a time. Yeah, no,
3: absolutely, definitely, some incredible stuff there. That's
1: true example. You know what? He joked about the two tattoos. We should get him to do a knocking doors down tattoo because he's truly a prime example of what it means to knock doors down, to change your life, and give back to others. I mean. I wouldn't be opposed to getting <laughs> knocking doors down, tattoo. What are you gonna do? Uh, but uh, also, his book autobiography, a great read for sure. Make sure that you guys pick that up and check it out. And who do we got coming next week, Mikey? Guy, Guy Felicelli. That's right. He's a Canadian, eh? so he's we know he's polite and he's
3: yeah he's got to be super nice.
1: <laughs> Most Canadians you meet are definitely nice. Guy Felicelli, really interesting uh, gentleman who uh, he literally was living on the streets for twenty years. One of those people that uh, you drove by and maybe discounted, and here he is, man. He's not only sober, he's turned his life around, he's helping people get clean. A family man, he is a true example, again, of going back to what knocking Doors Down is all about and turning your life around and giving back, and uh, fun conversation. Absolutely. So make sure to stick around for that next week. And, of course, if uh, you enjoy reading like I do, don't forget to pick up Carlos Vieira's autobiography, "Knocking Doors Down the... uh, what started this whole podcast? It's simple. You can click that link in the podcast description, get it in paperback, hardback, or even the ebook on Amazon. Mikey, anything else? No, nah,
3: I'm going home. On that note, keep knocking doors down.
0: 5150 is a lifestyle we believe in pushing yourself finding your passion knowing your dreams and working hard always striving to make those dreams a reality we believe life's too short to sit back and say what if go after it grab it and make it happen Being 5150 is committing to that long, hard road ahead that you know is going to be tough, but the most rewarding. That's living the madness. That's 5150. If you're living the 5150 lifestyle, then celebrate by rocking the goods. Listeners of Knockin' Doors Down, head over to 5150ltm.com that website again 51 FIFTYLTM.com. Strengthening communities. Providing resources. Building awareness. Empowering youth in need to overcome adversity and achieve success. This is what the Carlos Vieira Foundation is all about. Through our campaigns, the Race for Autism, Race to End the Stigma, and Race to Be Drug Free, we're able to help so many in need. Our goal is to provide support to families and children and give these families opportunities that might not normally arise. Learn more and find out how you can get involved. Visit Carlos Vieira Foundation.org
4: today. This podcast contains the views and opinions of the knocking doors down hosts and their guests to the show. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only, and because each person is sharing their unique perspective, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and website are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate. We welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of errors.